We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Big K Morning Show. Larry Richard with Marty Griffin. And it was a week ago we had a conversation with the president of Washington Hospital, Brooke Ward, who joins us again this morning. Brooke, good morning. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, um, let's be very clear about this. This is not hyperbole. This is not BS. The future of this hospital, 2,700 jobs and tens of thousands of patients is at stake. Is it not, sir? Absolutely. We're trying to look out for our organization, our community, and our patients. And what happens if you don't get help? from UPMC, an affiliation. What happened, sir? Well, you know, as we talked about, the entire industry is struggling financially across the nation, the Commonwealth as well. And we're in, you know, we're no different. And so we're trying to look ahead to make sure we don't get to a point a couple years down the road where we're laying off thousands of employees, shutting down services, closing the organization, and leaving our community without health care services. That's a real reality in our future based on the financial trends. And so we're trying to take a proactive approach. And so we went out to look at what the options were. UPMC was our best option. We firmly believe that. Our board did their due diligence. They're doing the right thing from a fiduciary responsibility to maintain jobs in our community, maintain critical health care in our community for the next decade and beyond. And that's why this is so important. Brooke, can you highlight what the issues are in terms monetarily for a lot of hospitals like yours, I believe you said, across the country, and we know that healthcare is in a crisis. Mm. What are the issues financially? Yeah, I think it's the easiest way to sum it up, and it's a very complex industry, as you can imagine. In our industry, you cannot increase prices like you can in every other industry to um, adjust for inflation and increase cost. And so our prices, our revenue is essentially flat. And so as prices, as revenue is flat, and in some cases actually declining, expenses are going through the roof like it is for everybody. Everybody's business and household expenses are going up. And so we're seeing costs going up, you know, at the rate of 8 to 12 percent, depending on the time period you look at, while revenue is flat. And before all this started, before inflation, workforce shortages started, healthcare providers were on the cusp of break even as it was. And so we were all just on that edge. And now you throw on these massive expense increases, and it's pushing everybody into the red. And there's nothing you, you know we can do. I mean, we're a labor-intense market. You don't want to come to the hospital, be admitted to a bed, and be essentially served by no one. We need people to be hands-on. That's the nature of our business. So we have to have people there to care for them. You'd want that. I want that, right? And so that's really what it comes down to. Costs have gone up. Revenue has not, and has put everybody in this precarious position, and we want to secure the future, and this is a way to do that. Brooke Ward, president and CEO of Washington Health System. All right, so the um, attorney general is looking at you. The FTC is looking at you. Uh, Guy Reschenthaler, congressman, has stepped in and said, stop the madness. Has he not, sir? 
He has. I actually have met with him a couple times recently, including yesterday. He's an advocate and supporter of this deal. I, I appreciate his support. And, you know, the governmental and the state agency, it's their job to look at these things, of course, right? And, and you'd want them to. But we also don't want them to be obstructionist. And so I think that's where he is at this point. He wants to make sure that they do their job, but let's not block this unnecessarily. So you had overwhelming support at a meeting late last week. Is it fair to call it overwhelming, sir? I believe so. I mean, there was a couple hundred people there, and I would say 99% of the people there were overwhelmingly in support of getting this deal done to do all the things I just said. Sir, let's get into this notion that UPMC is a monopoly. They come in and destroy all the competition. This can't be allowed. That's being floated out there by a union that can't stand UPMC, SEIU. Address that, sir. Well, I mean, if you boil this all down, the SEIU's fight is really with UPMC in Pittsburgh. They've been fighting up there for years, long before we were ever involved with this conversation with UPMC around our affiliation. And if you look at their quotes in the media and in in their material, that's really what they're fighting about. And so they're just trying to poke UPMC in the eye on our deal. They're trying to block this deal because they're upset about um, their inability to unionize folks in Pittsburgh. And I, personally, I find that to be a shame that they're willing to sacrifice health care in Washington and Greene County, sacrifice jobs, including some of their own members, frankly, all because they have a beef in Pittsburgh. That's really what this boils down to. Our deal secures everyone's job, including union members here in Washington and Greene County. It secures all of our health care for the next decade and beyond. I really don't know what they have to complain about in our area. I don't think they have anything to complain about with this deal. Again, it's about Pittsburgh and their fight up there, but they're just dragging that fight down to our area, and they're putting health care and jobs at risk. i got to be honest. Uh, the mayor's coming up next. He's a big union guy, but the mayor says he's fighting hard to save this deal, and he's trying to get everyone at the same table. Is that in the work, sir? And will you be at that table? Yeah, Mayor uh, Burgess has contacted me about trying to get a meeting together to sit down with the union, and we're talking about that admittedly. We have had conversations with the SEIU. They know what the deal is, and I think they're um, being disingenuous with him when they say that they don't know what's included in the deal. And um, so I'm not sure yet if that meeting is going to take place, but I do believe Mayor Burgess is in favor of getting this deal done. I do believe he's in a tough spot, you know, trying to – um, broker uh, something here. Um, but we're, we're trying to get people to get this through to the finish line um, for all the reasons uh, you and I, Marty, have talked about, right? Hey, it's hey, the right thing for our community. Hey, Brooke, what's the first thing you're going to cut, and when's that going to happen, sir? Well, that's a great question. I mean, if we if this affiliation somehow gets blocked, and I, I hope severely it does not, I mean, that would be a shame for our community and our organization. But if it, if it got blocked by... Uh, you know, the, the governmental agencies, you know, we're going to have to go back to our board and have a serious conversation because we won't be able to go long without starting to make, um, you know, serious decisions. And using the analogy you and I talked about a week ago, right, if you came up on a trauma victim that was bleeding out, you'd have to put a tourniquet on it to stop the bleeding immediately, you know, and, and so we might have to cut, we would have to cut uh, service lines that would be important to our community. You know, I'm not sure I could tell you exactly what they'd be today, but the likely candidates for those kind of things, as we've seen other hospitals. I mean, you can look to other examples across Commonwealth. It's traditionally 
mental health, cardiac uh, services, wow. maternal and OB. Wow. You know, those are likely candidates. And um, and I don't know uh, exactly when those would take place if we had to do them, um, God forbid, but um, it wouldn't be long because we'd want to try and save as much as we could for as long as we could, but it would not put off the inevitable. Eventually, um, it might add another year or two to our organization, but that's about it. Rook Ward, President of Washington Hospital, thanks for your time this morning. We are going to talk to uh, the mayor of Washington in just a minute. So thank you for your time this morning, Brooke. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is the Big K Morning Show. We continue our conversation, the efforts to save Washington Hospital. Mayor, good morning, sir. How are you this morning? Fabulous. Mayor Jojo Burgess, who really does give a damn. You care a lot about this deal. Tell us why, sir. It's in my community. This is a hospital that I was born in. My grandparents worked in this hospital. The blood of my family is in this hospital. I want to make sure that it's a successful story for rural uh, Pennsylvania. And we talked yesterday. You're working hard to get everybody at the table. Why is that important, and what are you trying to do, sir? Well, I'm working hard to get everybody to the table because I believe that uh, the communication is key, that SEIU Healthcare wants some assurances for their members. Washington Hospital needs to move forward with this deal in order for the hospital to be valuable. And I think everybody needs to just pump their brakes a little bit, sit down, and talk. We can work all this stuff out because, believe it or not, no matter how opposite you are from someone, there's going to be a common ground that you can find to build off of to make sure that everybody's successful in any kind of venture. So Mayor, what Mayor, is the issue, though, What your main issue between the two parties? Uh. I just think that the lack of trust with SEIU because of past dealings with UPMC is where that stems from. Whenever uh, this deal first got an, uh, announced and uh, both parties reached out to me being SEIU and uh, the health systems, I went and talked to both of them. And I just think that there's a, a lack of communication between the two that shows, you know, how this can benefit both of them. You know, and and, so, and some of that I, I have to say, in my opinion, is because of some of the past dealings between the two. It's, it's a course. fight that, of course, it's a it's a fight that is happening with them, and I just don't want that down in Washington. Because here's the thing: the, the uh, building trade unions have got a lot of money coming to them for work to be done on improving this hospital system. The care and service in rural Pennsylvania will be, I think, with this deal, just great. Because we don't just take care of the city of Washington. We take care of rural right. southwestern PA, right. Green County, Washington County, all that. And we can we can improve on that with this merger so that UPMC can take care of our patients. And it, it's just – it benefits all of them. And, and some of the workers at the hospital – that may not be SEIU members, they all support this because they see an improvement in their working conditions. And as a union member and a proud union member, I don't just work for union people. I work for all working families that want right. to get ahead and do better for themselves. Hey, Mayor, let's make this clear. Because people say I have blinders on about the UPMC. To hell with that. I'm talking about 3,000 jobs and 50,000 patients. If this doesn't happen, are you convinced... This all goes away, sir, as I am. 
if this doesn't happen, it's going to be very bad. In about two or three years, we will not have a hospital in Washington, wow. what I believe. And that, let's be honest, no hyperbole. That's apocalyptic, sir, is it not? It's horrible. It would be devastating to the to the area. So this notion, be- what's plan B, though? There is no other plan, is there, sir? For those suggesting uh, UPMC has a monopoly and they're this monolith that wants to destroy SEIU. What's plan B, sir? I don't think that they want to destroy SEIU. I think that SEIU's message is there's got to be another partner other than UPMC. And what partner is that, sir? I, I, well, I, again, I, like I said, in going through the process of what happened here, what people have to realize is this is not a hospital takeover. Right. This is a merger. Right. Washington Hospital had a consultant go out and seeks a partner for them. That's right. This is after another hospital tried to partner with them that was also failing. Right. This was the best plan moving forward for everyone, and there were three other, there were three bids that were submitted, uh, and I'll tell you who, who they were. They yeah. were Allegheny Health Networks, right. West Virginia, and UPMC. UPMC provided the best opportunity for the uh, employees and the residents of the area. A $300 million investment that no one else had. Yeah. 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 And we can't take that lightly because those jobs are going to be done by union skilled labor. That's right. So, you know, you understand the position I'm in as a mayor, supporter of labor. I'm in the middle of like labor unions fighting because of, that's a lot of money. By the way, SCIU won't sit down at any table with UPMC unless they agree to unionize. That's a fact. Well, I I can tell you this. I got a a commitment from one of their staffers that's working on the campaign in uh, Washington Health Systems. I'm not going to have – their fight in Pittsburgh is not my fight in Washington. I'm sorry. I'll support everything that they got going on. Believe me. I believe every worker should have a union. Yes, sir. I but I have it. to be cautious of our community. You know, I got to put my mayor's hat on if, I, if that makes any sense. I love you, man. Yeah, you have and to gotta, try to find the middle ground right and on, make Larry. progress. Yes, and, and that's what, I, and that's, and that's exactly what I'm doing because I think that if we can get into the room, my my message to SCIU is this: this deal is going to happen. I, I don't want anyone to be worried that it's not. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I went to the hearing last week. Right. I, I'm I'm confident that this deal is going to happen. So this is now where SEIU has an opportunity because you have a unionized shop. Yes, sir. You build off of that, and that's how you work to get more members and show with how you do for your members how they would benefit in having you. We love you, Mayor. We're all in, man. You tell us what you need. Thank you. I got that. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Mayor Jojo Burgess of Fantastic. Washington, PA. Fantastic, man. Big primary, New yeah. Hampshire. The big winner is... Donald Mr. Trump. Trump. Oh, Donald Trump, you know, I won the primary, and we're so excited about it. And that nasty Nikki Haley, she's going to come in second, but she's going to be a great vice president. Now about little Ron DeSantis. We've retired Ron DeSanctimonious, but uh, look at that guy. His little high heels. <laughs> uh, that's Thank Gail you, Mr. Berger, Trump. our colleague. Yes. Uh, that's funny, man. He, he really does a great he does, Donald sir. Trump. Speaking does, of sir. New Hampshire. That was yeah. actually cool. It's it's over, and with the details, CBS is Penny Commit. Despite Nikki Haley's loss to former President Donald Trump, she is determined to stay in the race. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is furious by her decision and says that she can expect significant pain as long as she continues her campaign. 
Former President Donald Trump scored his second 2024 victory last night after his projected win in the New Hampshire Republican primary. This is a fantastic state. This is a great, great state. While addressing supporters, Trump made false election claims and threw more attacks at rival Nikki Haley. She had a very bad night. Despite her projected second place finish in New Hampshire, Haley is vowing to stay in the race. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. CBS News exit polls show that Trump's voters believe they're more conservative than Haley voters, and a big majority on both sides say they would be pretty dissatisfied if the other GOP candidate won the nomination. I voted for Trump. Um, I, he was great for the economy. I voted for Nikki Haley. I'm afraid Trump is just too much chaos. President Biden releasing a statement on the primary results saying, it is now clear that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee, and adding, quote, the stakes could not be higher. The president picked up a win from New Hampshire Democrats, despite not even appearing on the ballot thanks to a grassroots writing campaign. And President Biden really does appear to be already shutting out Nikki Haley. His campaign is even selling t-shirts that read, together we will defeat Trump again. So the results are in and it'll be again a few weeks till they go to South Carolina. My guess is Nikki Haley, since that's her home state, uh, will fare better there, so she's waiting it out. But it's basically obvious it's down to Donald Trump and Joe Biden Again. Yeah. The race to the bottom, sir. Is there anybody out there? No. <laughs> that would have a chance? No. Joe Manchin? No. No. I mean, history says it'll never and can never happen. I like Joe Manchin. You like Joe Manchin. Um, I've had some friends reach out, and Larry has too. Here's what I was told, Mr. Richard. Because uh, one of my boys suggested we get Joe Manchin. It's actually a great idea. But here's what I was told, so we can be clear on this. Um, he is uh, going to try to see if he can get on uh, enough ballots on, on different states. And if he can, he might make a run. If he can't, he won't, which makes sense. The reason why we haven't heard from him is because he doesn't really know. If he can get on state ballots, if he has any shot. Yeah, so the questions you would ask him, he can't really answer yet. No. No. But but also, Larry, you pointed this out yesterday, and you're right again. How old is he, Larry? Is he 78, 77? I mean, they're all in the same. Not picking on somebody for age, but if, if our issue is that he's too old, Trump and Biden, here's what I can't stand. And you've seen this too, my brother. So, a reporter from Fox will play a speech with Biden stuttering and stammering 15 times, okay? Then, a reporter for CNN will play a speech with Trump calling Nancy Pelosi Nikki Haley four times, which happened last week. Then, it's a true story, <laughs> a reporter from Fox will talk about um, Joe Biden wears diapers, which I find to be obnoxious and repulsive to even suggest that, even if it's true. Then a reporter for CNN 
will say Trump wears diapers. To which I say, Larry, is this as good as it gets? Well, and and this you know what I'm is saying, a, and, and if you go through the daily grind, Ugh. you think a lot of people just tune it out. Right on, man. And understandably so. Right on. By the way, Joe Manchin is a United States senator, former governor of West Virginia. He is 76. There you go. If you're keeping track at home. Every Wednesday at this time, we welcome another medical professional brought to you by Allegheny Health Network, Health for All, 412-DOCTORS, always a great resource. And today, Dr. Thomas Krivik, who is the director of the Gynecological Oncology Program at Allegheny Health Network. Doc, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And I understand this is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. So what do you want us to know? What do we need to know? Well, you know, January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, and uh, again, doing these uh, programs, you know, we get awareness out there. You know, pap smears are very, very important. Um, Cervical cancer is detectable at precancerous lesions. It can be detected at early stage, and and that's when it's highly treatable. Um, You know, most cervical cancer uh, is is due to the HPV virus that's that's been kind of researched for the last 30 to 40 years. And so, you know, the way that we've screened women has improved greatly over the last 20, 25 years, going from a, a pap smear to co-testing to, to, to looking at uh, uh, the HPV virus within, the, within the, uh, the bodily fluids, as well as detecting what type of virus it is when we say high risk versus low risk. So a lot of these screening programs have gotten much more sophisticated to help kind of classify women who are at high risk for developing cervical cancer or cervical dysplasia. So we may be able to identify these patients and and screen them closer as well as uh, develop early uh, interventions to help prevent the development of cervical cancer. So again, screening is very, very important. Um, Prevention is very, very important. You know, there are numerous vaccines out there and and the HPV vaccine is is very important uh, for the prevention, uh, vaccinate boys and girls. Um, I know that some patients don't like vaccines. And again, the screening doesn't change depending upon the vaccine, but but a lot of us feel that when you uh, vaccinate uh, uh, the, the, the kids, men and or boys and girls, it can help uh, prevent the development of, of precancerous abnormalities. There's, there's no doubt about that. And Marty here has been a big proponent of the HPV uh, prevention, right, Marty? You, you reached out to millions of people on this. We reached of- 20 million people. I mean, I had uh, that cancer from that virus, and uh, we mm-hmm. got thousands of people to get that vaccine. It's so important, doctor. And, and just last week, Doctor, the American Cancer Society released uh, cervical cancer is increasing in oh, yeah. incidence, uh, even with younger population, women 30 to 40. Why do we believe that is? Well, you, ha- you have to be screened. And, you know, with, with COVID, uh, sometimes with just the health insurance and access to clinicians, if, if you're not being screened and you wait for symptoms, usually when there's symptoms, that's when patients are going to have developed, uh, you know, an invasive cancer because the pap smear is there to prevent. You're, we want to diagnose what's called dysplasia, which is what I tell patients pre-cancer. And if women aren't being screened um, or being screened at, at longer intervals because they're not going for their well-woman exam, you, you may see an uptick with respect to, to getting uh, or developing invasive cancer. And I agree with, with, with Marty. I think the vaccine is tremendously important. Um, last year when I was at a research meeting, we even talked about, you know, the, the, the revaccination. Patients who develop cervical dysplasia, who may have not been vaccinated, who do not fall into the age group for vaccination, we should consider treating those patients for the precancer 
and then giving them a vaccination at that time, we think it reduces the risk of recurrent dysplasia by 50 percent. So, you know, as as, as we start to understand this, as we start to to do what I call, uh, you know, not clinical trials, but real world assessments. And, um, you know, to me, I think it's really, really important. And that's why, you know, being in Pittsburgh, having Allegheny Health Network and and, and all these large um, healthcare uh, entities, you know, we, we do a lot of research. We do a lot of population-based research to, to try and assess this. So I completely agree with Marty. I'm, I'm sorry you went through what you went through. Um, but again, you highlight the importance of, you know, these vaccines to help uh, prevent uh, uh, the development of, of, of numerous HPV-related cancers. And well, again, this well, is going to be evolving. Well, this what's tough, Doc, and I know you know this, there's this stigma attached to, oh, my God, my, my daughter doesn't need this vaccine. She's not promiscuous at 13. It's not about that, is it, sir? Correct. It's not about that. I mean, I'm Catholic, and I think that there's many you know, ways people look at how the vaccine is, and, and then they try to extrapolate that into um, – potential ways people may behave. It's not about that. It's about giving the vaccine because we do not know exactly how the virus is transmitted all the time. And and again, um, it's not to get the vaccine so you can go live a different lifestyle. Everybody needs to live a healthy lifestyle. This is another adjunct to help prevent, you know, just like you said, you know, potentially anal cancer, you know, uh, all these HPV related cancers. So again, I, I agree with you, Marty. I think we need to get the word out. I think you know, pediatricians, obstetricians, gynecologists, anytime that I'm asked about this, both my children were, were vaccinated. My youngest will get vaccinated when she's uh, eligible for that. I, I, I do think it's, it's, it's very, very important. Learn more at ahn.org, 412Doctors, also a great resource brought to you by Allegheny Health Network. Doctor, appreciate the update. Thanks for the great work you and your team do here. Thank you so much. You guys take care and have a great week. You got it. Dr. Thomas Krebeck with Allegheny Health Network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.